Shalom Kulam. So today is the big uh, rally in the States. So um, we'll uh, dedicate our learning to um, the return, safe return of our Chatufim, of our Chayalim, Hatzlachav, our uh, attempt to make the crazy world see the truth, not push it. There. And, um, oh, maybe that's not a good Okay. I did want to mention a few particular names that we should have in mind that we are. And uh, one is Uriel Ben Naomi. Um, my son's friend, who is kind of one of the hostages, he thought that he had been killed, a friend with, uh, married with two children, Yaakov's friend, Baba. Uh, Uriel Ben Naomi, he apparently was kidnapped to Aza. So, um, and then there are two badly wounded soldiers, Noam Ben Adir and Shimon Ben Rivka. They have first name of Mehra. <clears throat> the learning should be all these people, <coughs> not just them, but everybody. And I'll uh, I'll put the names in the chat. Okay, so we'll go right to the Navi. So I like to look at this first, but you know, um, I I find that in in the straight narrative, if you take a look at this, okay, we're doing the. Uh, Shmuel Aleph Perchav Gimel, and what's happened till now is that Shul's become extremely um, hostile to David and declared him openly as an enemy. <coughs> Perchav Beit, the previous chapter, Doeg, the evil Doeg, tells Lashon Hara about David and his um, meeting with Achimelech makes it sound like they were in uh, cahoots. Achimelech knew nothing, and it's very sad, and uh, wipes out the city of Nob. <clears throat> very, very difficult story. And it has many, many, many ramifications. So beyond the ramifications for Shaul's <clears throat> deterioration, with bearing in mind that you know, the descendants of Ailey were under the curse back from chapter two and chapter three. Still, um, there's no excuse for what Doeg does, for what Shaul does. And um, if you follow in, in Sefer Tehillim, David in chapter 52 curses Doeg for this. And um, uh, it's quite a, you know, powerful parak. And one descendant of the Kohen Godlachi Melech, Eviatar, runs away and comes to David. And David is horrified when he tells him what's happened, that there was a massacre at Nob. And, um, and he, it's, it's interesting, we should just look at that for a moment, right? David says, he said, I knew that Doeg was there and he knew that he would tell Shaul and it's all my fault. It all, it's all my fault. Um, something to really think about uh, the, the way David, who is not responsible for this massacre, immediately steps up and takes responsibility. And that's actually something we discussed last time. A leader has to take responsibility. And David does, does just that. He steps up and he takes responsibility. Now, Parakhav Gimel, which is what we're up to now, <laughs> continues this saga of David running away from Shaul, Shaul trying to kill him. And according to this Nusach, it's all one story. I've broken it up into five sections because I think that that's not exactly correct. We're gonna to go to this Nusach here. And <clears throat> I, I call it this way. 
David and his men save Keilah. That's the first uh, Pesukim, five. And then there is the discussion that David has um, with HaKadosh Baruch Hu about the, his next step. Um, HaKadosh Baruch Hu saves him. He has a visit from Yonatan, and then he is betrayed um, by the Zephyr. And that's something that he talks about in Tehillim 54. So you want to follow. What's what's amazing when you go through the stories here, and it says specifically, we saw in uh, Tehillim 34, how David runs to Achish, to Abimelech, it says there. Um, and we see David's emotions and the struggles that he has and the difficulties expressed so beautifully in the Tehillim. It's, it's quite amazing to follow Tehillim along with the story. Okay, so the first section come, is about a place named Keilah. So I want to show you first the map. Okay, David has been in um, Giv'ah with Shaul. He goes to Nob, that's his first place. He leaves Nob and he's going down to the territory of Yehuda. Now, if you look at our, our main map, you'll see that Yerushalayim is sort of the border between Binyamin and Yehuda. And Shaul is from Binyamin, and his capital is Gibat Shaul, the biblical Gibat Shaul, not the one from today. And this is all north of Yerushalayim, which is still not a Jewish city. David is from Yehuda, and Yehuda is south of Yerushalayim. All these areas, Beit Lechem, Hebron, what's today, Ephrat, Gush Etzion, all that is where David is. So David is running around, if you look at the, the map here, this is a map of David's travels, back, back and forth in different places so that he goes first to uh, Adulam, to a cave in Adulam, and then he moves to Mitzpeh Moab where he leaves his family, and that doesn't end well. And then he goes to Mitzudah. Now, there's a number of places called Mitzudah, and it seems to be that there were um, fortified places on the top of certain mountains that were called different Mitzudot, strongholds. David has, in chapter 22, we found that he has uh, been joined by 400 men, which sort of has like echoes of Esav there. But these 400 men are added to in our chapter and become 600 men. So David has the beginning of a serious following. He has God, the Navi, who's with him. At the end of chapter 22, we find that Evyatar comes. And Evyatar, look who's home. Hi. My soldier grandson. Hi, Ellie. Um, so in, in chapter 22, you find out that Evyatar comes to David, the last remaining Kohen. So by default, he's going to become the Kohen Gadol. So now David has with him his family, his tribe, the people who are joining his, uh, his crew. He has a prophet. He has a Kohen Gadol. And it's becoming a sort of shadow state. And it's, it's kind, of, kind of makes sense that, um, that Shaul is getting more and more nervous. You know, it, is, it sort of sounds a little bit like Robin Hood and his merry men. And they keep running away. So they go from Mitzpah Moab to Mitzuda. And then God, the prophet, tells them to go to Yehuda. He's safest in his territory with his tribe. And unfortunately, we see in this chapter that he's not safe there either. There's no place safe for David. Anyway, he gets to a place called Keilah. Now, Keilah is over here. And I found something absolutely startling in the Gemara. I'm going to show you in a minute that just sort of like I, I was sitting here looking at it and going, whoa, whoa, what's happening here? Keilah is this city that seems to be part of Yehuda territory. The Malbim isn't sure they're Yehuda, but it, Radak says they are. And they are considered a border town. Why? Because if you look, they're close to the Philistine cities. The Philistines had five principal cities. Gat, Gat, Ekron, Ashdod, Ashkelon, and the cursed Aza. Oh, cursed place. Okay. So David 
Pasuk Aleph, let's go back to the text. Pasuk Aleph, by Yagid Lutavile more, he may push him Nilhamim Bikila, Behema Shosim etagaranot. Okay, David finds out that the Philistines are fighting at Keila, the place I showed you on the map, which is, I, I told you, it's a border town. And they are Shosim, they are, you know, from Lechadodi. Those that plunder you will be plundered. Okay? The Pasuk is telling us <clears throat> that they're going to the Goan. The Goan is where they store the grain. Where they, you know, uh, process the grain. They pick the grain and they put in the granote and the Philistines are destroying it. Now, the Malva makes a distinction between Lavos and Lashos. Biza means you're taking it as loot, you want it for yourself. Shosim is more a vandalism, a vandalism kind of thing. They 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 want to destroy it, so they're shosim. They're destroying the granote. Now it's a really interesting thing, and it's something that we have to really think about. When David hears this, David is concerned. Someone has to help Kila. Okay. Now what happens? Don't they have a king? Where's the king? Shaul is not doing his job. And that's the first thing we see. David is actually very concerned that the Philistines are attacking Keilah. And where's the king? Where's the king? He's nowhere to be found. He's not involved. He's busy with his bad spirit and his depressions and his obsessions and his paranoia. And he's not doing the job. And this is a very important point. The, the Ralbag, you know, Ralbag at the end of every uh, story gives a list of toilet, like uh, things we learn, life lessons. Like, so one of the things he says here, it is inappropriate that a leader should lead and take care of the people and not be obsessed with his own political problems. I, I, do I have to say more? Do I have to say more to that? You have such a situation where the leaders are playing petty politics and they're doing garbage stuff, and they're leaving their people unprotected. And we see it, and that's what it is. And you see it in the Tanakh, and you see it here. And David, who is worthy of being a king, he steps up, he says, oh my goodness, the people of Keila need someone to help them. Where is Shaul? Where is Shaul's government? Nowhere. I'm sorry, I'll get a little emotional with these things, the things that are going on today, Prospect. Oh, you know, I wanted to just show you the Gemara. I told you I have a wacky Gemara here. So one of the things that the Gemara talks about, Shosim is a granote, and Pasuk Bet, And David asks Hashem, Shem, I go strike those Philistines. And you see a, a, a stop in the middle of Pasuk, because we're now switching from a person speaking to God speaking. Go and strike the Philistines and you will save Keilah. And you see that David is asking a question. What's the Shiloh? So <clears throat> the Gemara decides that the real Shiloh here is that it's Shabbos. Just one second. Now, um, the Gemara in Erevin has an interesting discussion here. It's kind of blew me away. And they basically, the, the conclusion of the discussion in the Gemara is that you are allowed to save a um, people who are in trouble on Shabbos if there is a question of Pikuach Nefesh. If it's merely a financial question, it's not so simple. Okay? Because do, are you allowed to desecrate Shabbos to save money? Which they're perhaps not. And then I found this gem. Darash Rabbi Dostai, Demin Beire. He comes from Beiri. Now, honestly, I don't know where the the Gemara place Beiri is, but the, just the name stopped me. And I looked at it and it says, My Dichtiv, by Agidul David Leimohine, Plishtim Lilchamim Bekila, Behema Shosim and Hagwanot. Right? And Babdustai of Beiri says, Keila was a place that was a border city. And a border city, even if it's attacked for money, 
It's Pikuach Nefesh, because it's a border city. Border cities, you have to be extra careful to protect them. And I was just staring at this Rabbi Dustai from Barry. I don't know. Is that a coincidence? Okay, back to the text. So David is told he should go down. And David, you know, David's men are not David. If you recall, in chapter 22, we found that who are these people? They're disaffected people. They're people who owe their debtors. They're people of bitter spirit. They're not all great tzaddikim. This is his men. And they say, listen, David, you want to go and fight the Plishtim at Kila? We're scared of our lives here in Yehuda, and we need to go and fight with the Plishtim? Really? What are you saying? Now, the, the fact is that the wording of what Hashem says, according to the Malbim, is what makes them nervous. Because Hashem says, In the Plishtim, strike in the Plishtim is not perhaps strike the Plishtim. So they're a little nervous there. And then it says, you will save Keilah. Okay, we're not, we don't really care, these men are saying. You want to save Keilah, but what happens after that? So they're very nervous. Now, David is not nervous. Don't, Hashem told him to go. But because his people are nervous, he asks again, Pasik Dalit, by Yosef O Bashem, by we see another stop in the middle of the Pasik, when David speaks, and then when Hashem speaks. By Hashem answered him the second time, by Yomer Kum, raid Kila, go and go down to Kila. You guys are not sure enough. This is a very serious situation. I'm telling you, go down. I will give the Philistines your hand. So now this is more um, uh, solid for his men, and they agree to go down. <clears throat> okay. And again, it's something, a little bit of a uh, contrast to David's taking responsibility, acting in a kingly manner, taking care of his people, and Shaul, who's nowhere to be seen, as we'll, we'll find out what Shaul's busy with soon. Okay, and David strikes, um, so David goes down with his people to Keilah, and he fights the Philistines, and he, uh, drives, he drives off their flocks, and he strikes them a great blow, and David saves the people of Keilah. Now this whole thing with the with the their flocks. So there's a couple of opinions. Either the flocks, uh, they brought their flocks to destroy the granaries. In other words, that is how they were chosen at the granot with their flocks. And the other possibility is that David chased them so far that he got to their cattle and he took their cattle for his people. It's a strange comment there. Okay, and now we have a sort of P.S. By the way, Pasik Bob. And it was when Eviatar, the son of Achimelech, ran away to David Keila, he brought down the ephod in his hand. So this is a very, very interesting uh, situation. In other words, we're now being told that not only did Eviatar manage to save himself, right, but he's also able to um, save the ephod. Now, the comments here, ephod yaradbiado, it's sort of kind of, uh, what shall we say, it's sort of like kalachar um, yad. It's, oh yeah. And he also brought the ephod. And here, the Malbim says, He didn't mean to take the ephod. He ran away for his life. But the ephod was in his hand. Why? Hashem. Hashem made it that he took the ephod with him. Now, I have a very interesting comment here of my husband's grandfather. People have a lot of trouble with this parak. For, uh, um, maybe I should just show it to you. What, what comes up, we see David keeps consulting the Urim Betumim, the 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 aphod, it's a sort of shorthand for the 
um, the breastplate of the Kohen Gadol, which was used to ask questions. And David asks a lot of questions. So we had at the beginning here that David asks God, should I go down? And Hashem says, go down, right? And he asks again, and Hashem says, go down, I will, I will give you the Philistines. And it's go, he's going to keep asking. So the general understanding of the Mepharshim is that this Pasuk, that Abiyatar happened to bring the aphod, is sort of an explanation of what came before. In other words, David was able to ask these questions of God because he had the Urim Batumim with him. But Rav Yaakov has an interesting question here, and he says, if, if that's so, why, why is this Pasuk in this place? And why, and here's the bomb, it says he went to Keilah. We didn't hear of Keilah in chapter 22. So if David is in Keilah, and that's where Abiyatar finds him, he already asked the question. He already decided to go to Keilah. He was already answered by God. So Rav Yaakov says, what we're being told here is that Abiyatar came to him. He was already at Keilah. In other words, the whole discussion he has with God, okay, Rabbi Yaakov says it came through prayer. He prayed to God and God answered him. I'd also venture to suggest that the prophet is there. So it seems as if the Urim Betumim is a new, a new thing on scene. It's an interesting uh, kind of question. How does that work? But we do see, and the Malbim says it clearly here, Hashem wants the Kohen Gadol and the Efo to be with David. And if you see how, in a certain sense, Shaul is cutting himself off from God, right? God tells him, you're finished. He keeps on going, right? He does all kinds of things God doesn't want him to do. He kills the Kohenim, right? He... You know, he does it. He goes to Shmuel. Shmuel's not helping him with this. So Shaul is getting more and more isolated. His children favor David. He's in a bad place. Meantime, Hashem is bolstering David's group, the people that are there and the um, and the Kohen Gadol and the Navi. And let's go on. But Shaul, he's he's just obsessed. Plus excited. By you, God, the Shaul, and Shaul was told that David came to Keilah. And Shaul said, Nikar, now Nikar is a strange word. It seems to be um, a word meaning he was, he has delivered him. It's, in other words, it's not exactly clear. Like Rashi says, his gear. Right? You have a lot of different ways that this word could be explained. But let's go with delivered. And by the way, lahaskir um, is the hefil, the causative uh, form of sagar. So if you close something, sagar, if you're maskir, you make other people close. In other words, you give them over. You, it's in modern Hebrew, lahaskir is the word for to extradite. So Shaul says, oh, God has given him in my hand. Now understand that there is a there's a something very uh something very twisted in the way Shaul sees the world. God doesn't want you to be the king anymore. God is not helping you catch David, but that's how he interprets it. And he says he's in a walled city. There's only one way out. It has Latayim, two doors, and it has Maria. Maria is a bolt. So if anyone remembers how we learned in Shoftim, right? in chapter 16, right? So uh, Shimshon goes down to Aza, that accursed place. It's just always, always bad news. And over there, the people of Aza say, oh, we're gonna get him, he can't escape. And they, um, they ambush by the gate. Of course, they think they're going to capture Shimshon and he picks up the whole gate and, walks off to Hebra with it, which is quite a feat. But meantime, the walled city of Keilah is sort of a trap for David because if Shaul comes there, there's only one way out. So Shaul says, oh, I got him. 
פסקט, בישמע שאול אז כל העם למלחמה לרדת קהילה, לצור אל דוד ואל אנשיו. That's an interesting פסק. בישמע means he, it's a, and again a hefל, he made them hear, which is the way people were called up, by shouting, by yelling, everybody called, call them up to war, לרדת קהילה. And, really? לצור אל דוד ואל אנשיו, to make a siege against דוד and his men. Now the, the Malbim says, right, It was a plot. In other words, Shaul knows that gathering a huge army to chase David is not going to be a very popular move. And don't forget, we're told in previous chapters how much everyone loves David. Right? So it's not a popular move to make a general call up to catch David. So he makes it sound like we're going to go to war, we're going to protect Keilah. He, we saw already that Keilah was left on its own. Shaul wasn't helping Keilah, but now he makes it sound like he's going to, but his real intention is Latsur al-David v'al-Rasha. Pasuk 10. Vayeda David ki alav Shaul macharish ha-ra'an. David knew that Shaul macharish is, literally it means plowing, but in the sense of like, you know, digging deep, plotting, plotting, scheming evil things against him. David is not naive. Now, this is where Rabbi Yaakov says, now he's first beginning to use the ephod. He asked before in other ways, because now we see him saying to the Eviatar Kohen, bring the ephod. Your servant heard, has heard that Shaul is planning to come to Hila to destroy the city for my sake. Will, like I said, to give over. Will the masters of Keila give me over in his hand? Will Shaul come down? As your servant has heard, Hashem uh, God of Israel, please tell your servant. Now again, the Pasuk is interrupted with the Sabbath, with a, a break in the text, like a sort of paragraph in the text in the middle of the Pasuk, because we have a distinction between a person speaking and God speaking. But Yomar Hashem Yehweh. And this is what I meant before by, David doesn't know the protocol of asking the Urm Betumim. How, how do we know that? Watch what he does. He says, I've heard that Shaul is coming down to Keilah to destroy it because of me. Will the people of Keilah give me over? Will Shaul go down? Now what's wrong with this question? see this? It's out of order. First you ask, is Shaul going to come? And then you ask, if he comes, will the people of Keilah give me over to him? So Hashem answers the first question, which is, yes, he's going to come down, right? And then David adjusts his question, And now he understands that he has to uh, set up the question in a certain manner. And he says, okay, Shaul's going to come, right? He plans to come. Will the people of Keilah give me over and my people to the hand of Shaul? And Hashem says, yes, they will. Okay, so we have to talk about this. So this is a very strange and sad story. Um, <clears throat> first of all, why does David ask the question, wrong. It seems as if he's very agitated, right? Will they give me over? Is Shaul going to come? Is the questions of a person who is, is in distress. And when he says, we have to break this apart. The Malvim says is different than Big Lali. He says that What does it mean? Because that's something that happened already. I did something, and now because I did that, he will do this. 
But here, ba'avur means for the sake of something in the future, which means if Shaul comes and he wants me and the people of Keilah don't give me over, he's going to destroy Keilah. So David is concerned with the people. It's a very important point if you look carefully. Because here he is, he's in a very vulnerable state, but he says, Shaul can come and destroy Keilah if he wants to get at me. And how does David know that Shaul might destroy Keilah? Right? Have you heard of what happened at Nov? David destroyed Nov. He killed 85 Kohanim and all their families and all their cattle. So you find that David is now, he's so sensitive, but before, it never occurred to David what Shaul would do at Nov. Who could think of such a horrific scene? Who would do such a thing? And afterwards, he's like, I, I can't get Keilah into trouble. Now, Keilah really, think about Keilah. Keilah is in debt to David. They owe him tremendous Akarasatobi He came, putting himself into the lion's mouth in order to save them from the pushdom. So their reaction should be tremendous Akarasatobi right? And then when, when we get down to it, we get to the, the questions asked right, David says, will they give me over to Shaul? And, and, and Hashem says, yeah, they will. Shaul could have come down and they will give you over. How are we supposed to understand that? You just save them from the plishtim and they're going to turn around and give you over. Okay? And it's, it's terribly distressing to think about this, right? It's a very, very big problem halachically. If you think about this, right? They, the people of Keilah, let, let's just play out the scenario, okay? Let's assume Shaul comes down and Shaul comes to them and he says, give me David or I will kill you all. What are they supposed to do? He's already proven that he is good as his word in such a case. People of Keilah are frightened. Now I'll show you a precedent in Shoftim. Okay. Shimshon. Now Shimshon, right? This is Perak Tetvav in Shoftim. Shimshon is this like a uh, lone warrior. He's like a vigilante. He goes and he makes trouble for all the Pushtim all the time. And the Pushtim view him as a nut. Okay? And that's what he wants. He doesn't want the Jews involved. But at a certain point, they get frustrated with him. And they come to Yehuda. And don't forget, same tribe. Not a good record here. They come to Yehuda. And people, Yehuda said, why have you come here? They said, we want Shemshon. We want to do to him what he did to us. And 3,000 men came to Shimshon of Yehuda. And they said, why did you do this to us? Why did you come here? Don't you know the Pushtim are in charge here? So Shimshon keeps his role as the, you know, the crazy vigilante. He says, I did to them what they did to me. And they said, we are going to give you over to the Pushtim. We came to tie you up and give you over. Now, Shimshon says, just promise me that you won't hurt me. Okay, because, you know, it's 3,000 men against Shimshon. But Shimshon doesn't want to hurt them. Shimshon's whole idea of not getting them involved is to protect them. So they give him over. And, of course, Hashem does a miracle for Shimshon, and he's able to, you know, melt the bonds and kill the Philistines. But that is not a good record. That is not a good look. And if we go back to our people of Keilah, they seem to also be Yehuda, and they seem to be also ready to give David over. Now, I don't want to go into the halachic ins and outs of this, but the general understanding is that if a person comes to a city, okay, the, the model is later on in Shmuel Bet, Sheva ben Bichri, that if they come to a town and they say, um, if you don't give us this person, right, we will kill the whole city. 
right? It's a terrible dilemma, and don't think these things never happen. They happen. So the the general understanding of halacha is if they want an unspecific person, just give us one person and we'll let the rest of you go. You're not allowed to give over that one person. But if they want a specific person, so that person might be considered a roje, endangering everybody. And really, most of the, the first understand that that person has to be um, guilty um, and deserving of the death penalty. And then you have to give them over. So we have, a, you know, there's, there's reasons why the people of Kehillah might give David over, but it's not like a happy scene. And then the Chazal asks, now, wait a second, you know, this actually doesn't happen. Why? Let's give Gimel. Vayakam David ba'anashav kishesh ma'ot ish, now the 600 men. Vayetsu mikehillah vaytalchu ba'sherit halachu. They left Kehillah and they went where they went. Ushal hugad, and Shal was told, kinemlat David mikehillah vayachzal atzeit. So Shal heard that they left and he gave it up. So you see that David's reaction is, I'm not going to endanger Kehillah by sticking around. And I'm not going to sit around and wait for them to give me over. So that's how he resolved that they left. And um, some actually, the Abarmanel raises the question of like the, but the Urmaturim said they'll Shaul's going to come down and they'll give you over. But it's a similar situation to Yona. Like, if you don't do what you're told, you know, Ninbe will be overturned. If they if David six sticks around, Shaul will come. And they'll give him over, so he doesn't stick around. And we find here, Pesach Yedalid, Vayesha David ba Midbar ba Mitzadot, Vayesha Bahar ba Midbar Zib, Vayvakshu Shaul Kayamim Belonet Hanolo Kimiado. And now we have like a like a sort of summation Pesach. David stayed in the desert, in the very stronghold, in the mountain, in the desert of Zif. Shaul searched for him all the days, and God did not give him over in his hand. So this is a tremendous hashkacha um, pratis. It's just, you know, Hashem saves David time after time after time. And Pasek Tetva, Vayar David ki yatsa shal vakesh nafshel v'david v'mibarzif v'harsha. And David sees that Shaul is coming out to uh, look for him. And he's in the, the desert of Zif in Harsha. Now back to our map for a minute. You see here, this is Midbar Zif, okay? This is Midbar Ma'on. All these places, you know, it's like you can hide in a lot of these caves and things. And this is where um, David is. Pasik Tetzayin. And this is very interesting. Isn't that interesting, right? Shaul is looking for David everywhere, can't find him. And Yehonatan gets up, goes to Chorsha, and finds him. Right. In other words, in the natural course of in the natural course of events, it wouldn't have been so difficult to find David. But Hashem doesn't allow Shaul to find him, but Yehonatan does. And this is a very um, sweet and poignant scene. And he strengthens his hand in God. He said, don't be afraid because my father Shaul's hand will not find you. You will rule over Israel. I will be your second in command. My father also knows this. So the Malbim says there are four encouraging things that happen here that Shaul tell, uh, Yonatan tells him. And don't forget, is Yehonatan ben Shaul, Shaul Avi, the connection to his father is there. And yet he comes to David and says, God is with you. He strengthens his hand in God. God is with you. Don't be afraid. My father will not find you. That's two. Number three, you're going to rule over Israel. I'll be second in command. That's three. And number four, my father knows this is true as well. That's how the Malvin breaks up four expressions of encouragement. Now the Gemara here. The Gemara says there were three people who were in, incredibly modest, and Yehonatan was one of them. 
יונתן בן שאול, שקמה לה לדוד, ואצה תמוך ישראל, ואני אהיה לך למשתך. So it's really, Yomshim ben Gamliel and the Bnei B'Tera, and Yonatan, that are considered people who are exceedingly modest. And of course, you're going to say, but what about Moshe? Moshe is not in the list. Why? Because Moshe Rabbeinu was very humble and modest in his own way. But each of the three uh, situations that the Gemara is talking about are people who were in a position of power and abdicated it for someone they thought was more worthy than them, which is just an incredible display of humility. And, you know, Yonatan deserves every bit of praise for that because he could have been in the same mindset as Shaul, like how dare he take away my kingship. But he sees David as more worthy than himself. And he says, I'm going to be your second in command. It's all cool. Yonatan is so incredibly modest. And he gives David a lot of encouragement at a very tough time. And they made another covenant before God, and David stayed in Horsha, and Yehonatan went to his house. Horsha seems to be within the desert, someplace where there were um, uh, forests, trees, someplace. And this is the last time that David and Yehonatan see each other. So it's like very sad. Yehonatan, of course, never, this dream of his never really is fulfilled, but you do get a sense of the greatness of Yehonatan here and his um, tremendous uh, humility, his tremendous friendship and loyalty to come to David. And you see that no problem finding David if you don't mean anything bad. Now we come to the Zifim, Pasuk Yutet. Vayalu Zifim el Shaul HaGivata. Maymor. Okay, so at our map, where's our map? Okay, Zif is here. This is the Midbar Zif, the Desert of Zif. Now, Shaul is here in Giva. The people of Zif go all the way up to Giva to tell on David. It's not like Keilah. Keilah, right? are border town, afraid for their lives. And if Shal had come, they might have given him over out of fear. The people of Ziph, with malice forethought, take themselves up, pick themselves up, and they go to give up to tell on David. Okay? Lamalshinim alti tikva, we say every day. What could be more malshinim? What is you think, what do you think is gonna happen? So it's, it boggles the mind. You try to figure out what was Doeg thinking? What are these Zephim thinking? What is the enmity towards David? I, I, I don't know. I, I heard um, Rabbi Liebteg say, just imagine, they think he's a rebel and he's, uh, he's dangerous for the government. So that's how they act. But there's something very underhanded here. David is all over the place in our area. He's in the four, in the, the strongholds. He's in the, the the forest areas. He's in Chachila. He's in Pasuk Whenever you want, king, you can just come on down and get him. We'll give him over to you. You are blessed to God. You had pity on me. This is such a disturbing person. Such a disturbing person. Like he blesses them from God because they had pity on him. What is the pity? And how do you explain his attitude? It's so strange. The only way you could figure this out is he must feel so threatened and he must feel that David is actually wants to kill him. Now, I want to show you proof of that in the next parak. I don't want to hurt you. So, in the next parak in Hafdalid, okay, David says to Shaul, This is like they meet face to face in the next chapter. Stay tuned next week. Um, Bezrat Hashem here. And David says to Shaul, Pasuk Tet, 
Why are you listening to people who tell you that I want something bad for you? Don't you see that I wouldn't hurt you? I didn't. I had the ability to hurt you, but I didn't. That's Parakhapdali. Shaul is convinced that Dove is out to get him, and he he blesses him. You're helping me. David's take on the Zephim is not so nice. Okay, this is chapter 54 in the Tehillim. This is the mizmor that David writes because of the Zephim. And when they come to David and say, David is, when they come to Shol and say, David is hiding with us. God, in your name, save me. And with your might, judge me, avenge me, right? Ki zarim, I'm tipping here a little bit. Zarim kamuwalai. These strange people came up against me, right? Lo so they don't have, they don't fear God. In other words, in David's eyes, these are evil people. You can make terutzim, you can make excuses that they think David is a rebel, but David says they're evil people going around and telling someone that you know something is going to get someone killed. What did David already do? Hashem Hashem is going to save me and um, uh, support my soul. Yeshiv Harala shall arrive and he curses them that God should give them evil, the people who are against him. Kimi Okay, he, he's thanking God for saving him. Let's see how that plays out. So Shaul, when they come to him, he is so nervous about catching David, so he, he wants to make it all, you know, check, you know, on a dotted line, right? Okay, make it ready. Get get yourselves prepared. Find out where he is, where his feet have been, where he's... Mira Aosham, someone has to see him, you know? Don't rely on rumors that someone saw him there. He amari lie because people tell me, Aromia Arimhu, he's a sneaky guy. Remember who was Arum? The Nachash. Shaul is comparing David to the Nachash. He's so sneaky. Uh, you better really check it out, make sure you really find him, right? And Chavkim continues with this like, Panic kind of thing. Find all his hiding places. Come tell me when you got it all figured out. And then I'll go with you. And if he's there, I'll look all of you to him. You give me the places to check, and I will check them. And this is just kind of like it's just horrific, you know, that they're in cahoots to like just get of it. And really, uh, you know, Shaul is kind of, you know, out of his mind at this point. He's just not acting rationally, but like, why are these people helping him? Now, earlier, when it says here um, that Shaul, right? Right? There is um, a, a, an opinion that the servants of Shaul were actually on David's side and they kept warning him. So it's an interesting thought because we see earlier that everybody really loves David. So it sounds like David has friends who tell him where to go. But these Zephim, they come absolutely uh, maliciously and they come and tell Shaul. So David and his men are in this Midbar Ma'on I showed you on the map. Okay, that's further south of Ziv. They're here. And they're in the dry lands, right? Yemin, like um, near the, uh, like south of the Yeshimon. It's like a very dry area. Shaul and his men go to look. They tell David. He goes down to this boulder. He comes to the desert of Ma'on. And David hears that they're there, that Shaul is coming after him. And he was in um, 
in Zeph, he goes down to Ma'on, and he goes to this rock, and Shaul chases after him. And don't forget, the Zephim have given Shaul all the, you know, the the Nitzunim, all the, what's the word? <laughs> all the ways where he is and all the locations, you know, they gave him the ways and the move-its and whatever. They're going to find him. This is actually terrifying. They are, David's in, on one side of a mountain, okay? And his men are there. And on the other side of the mountain is Shaul and his men. David was hurrying. He passed his speed. He was hurrying to go before Shaul. The Shaul and Hashem. Oh, trim el David, I want to show this upside now. Atara is a headpiece, a crown. Oh, a tor, right, would be to surround. So if David is on this side of the mountain, right, and Shaul and his men are spreading out to go and catch him in between the two bands of men, David is in a very, very bad place here. And a malach comes to Shaul and says, hurry and go. The Pushtim are attacking the land. And Shaul returned from chasing after David and he went to towards the Philistines. And that's why they call that place Selahamachlakot. So there's a very, very interesting stuff going on here. Let's let's break it down a little bit. David, after all these miraculous escapes that he's had, time after time after time, where it seems like somehow Shoal never finds him. Shoal, with the, you know, with the help of these rats from Zeph, he's actually located David, and he's in a way to get him. He's almost about to get him. His men are coming around. David has nowhere to go and nowhere to hide. And all of a sudden, Amalek comes and says, you have to go now because the Philistines are attacking. So there's a few questions we have here. The first question is, first question is, what's with this Malach? So is that, you know, the word Malach could be a messenger like a human messenger. And the word malach could be also a, an angel from God, which is a, a godly messenger. So the, the Mepharshim have a question on this. I want to show you the Radak here. Okay, so the very, very interesting measures that the Radak brings, I'll show you. It says here, Nechpaz Nechpaz is a very strange word. He was in a rush to go from Shaul. So the Medrash takes this word and says, look at this word. This is the Radak. He couldn't get away from Shaul. He was surrounded. He couldn't get away. There was just, even though David knew that they were there and he wanted to get away, Shaul and his men were coming around to get him from either side and he had nowhere to go. And then it says something amazing, right? The angel comes to Shaul. You see that According to the Radak, it's an actual angel. And by the reason, by the cause of the, the awesome master of plots, in other words, God, Ubed's Rash, Medrash says, Nechpaz lalechem, Zeu sh'amr David, Ani amarti b'chapsi kala adam kosei. So you'll recognize that from Tehillim, right? Kuf, kuf tet zayin. 116 in Halil, if we said today. I believed, right? But I had said, 
in my haste, in my zone, I said, all men are liars. So what is Radak showing us here? We have a very beautiful medrash here. The medrash connects David saying, I said in my haste, all men are liars, with David's despair at this moment, when Shaul is actually there to catch him, and he has no way out. He said, so Shmuel was lying when Shmuel anointed me and said, you're going to be king? Was that also a lie? Is Shmuel also a lie? Why did he anoint me that I should end up being killed by Shaul? And Hashem answers him, right? I am testifying that Shmuel was trustworthy and faithful. That's in Perak Gimel. I mean, over here. As Shmuel grew up, Hashem says, no, Shmuel is faithful. Shmuel is not lying. You will be king, right? You're saying Shmuel is not saying the right thing. So now we have the understanding of why Hashem sends a malach. Oh, you're at this point where you're in such despair that you think Shmuel might have made, uh, you know, something not true. No, of course it's true. And Hashem saves him with the angel. Now, the question that's raised, is the angel uh, a real angel or a person? I'm a malach. Maybe it was just a messenger. Maybe it's just a human being. Is that the way a messenger tells the king something? Hurry up and go. The Plishtim are after you. No. Only an angel of God will speak to the king like that. We have so many beautiful sukkim and tehillim which express this. This is 57. God sent from heaven and saved me. And by the way, if you look at a lot of the sukkim um, in the tehillim, a lot of times David says, Hashem salutudasi. And it hurts, and in Shmuel Bet at the end, when uh, that's the Torah of Azino, Hashem Sali in the Sudasi. We don't find that David is involved with the Selah except over here. So Hashem was the rock, Hashem saved him. What's the deal with Selah Machakot? Why is it called Selah Machakot? So there's two explanations here. Rashi brings the idea that the Machlokit was within Shaul. Shaul is like, should I catch David? I am so close to catching David. But I have to go and save my people from the Philistines. And this was the machlokis that was eating at Shaul. And in this case, Shaul makes the right choice. Shaul says, my responsibility to my people is greater than my need to chase David. And he decides that he has to go. So that that according to Rashi, the machlokis was within the heart of Shaul. Another opinion, the Mitsuda says, there was a machlokis, there was a, a split, the rock was split between the two sides. But I think that Rashi's point is bringing out the terrible struggle that Shaul has. And we see this whole parrot. Shaul is so taken up with chasing David that he already... You know, he, he's he's not even running the, the government anymore. And we see the terrible tragedy that happens when a government gets caught up in its own petty politics and leaves the people unprotected. So we, we've seen that. We just lived through that. It's terrible. On the other hand, when you see this beautiful medrash 
right? You see that Hashem shows David, you never lose faith. You never give up. You never say, it's all over. I give up. Hashem has his ways. And in fact, you know, uh, speaking to uh, my son tonight, uh, saying like, you know, every day I daven so much and Hashem should save our, our people. And he said to me, you know, it, it always could be so much worse. How do you know that we aren't being saved from many terrible things? Oh, who's here? Okay, guys. So I'm going to stop the screen share and say goodbye because I got some special company. I see my soldiers here and got out. Oh, okay, I'm just going to say shalom to my people and then uh, come come and visit. Look who's here. I didn't know he was coming over. He's a hominid. Yay. Yeah, that's my boy, my grandson. You're, you're, su you're such a bubby. Anyway, so we should all hear good news and good things and that. I mean, I mean, very inspired valley, and we should, you know, uh, look how how stuck David was and how Hashem saved him. So I think that you know, I keep telling Hashem, look at your things, look what we're doing. So, anybody have any questions? Well, let me go mm. say hi to my grandson. Okay. Thank you. See you, Bezrat Thanks, Mom. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Bye, everyone. Bye-bye.